This evening's Dharma talk is titled to turn. Observe what? Observe what? Question mark. Observe what? So the hell am I gonna say about that? So you hear me saying over and over again, just observe, just observe. So now I'm going to give you a little bit more um, direction, instruction, or suggestions about how that's done. You sit down, you hold still, sit in a symmetrical posture insofar as your body will allow you to do that. Hold very still for as long as you can without being too macho or rigid. You sit for a while and you feel uh, antsy or you need to shift around, then Go ahead and do that, but do it very deliberately. Actually move, lean back, and then return to uh, symmetry, return to stillness, return to motionlessness. And some things are going to keep moving. Your diaphragm, obviously. Your breathing, air coming out of your mouth, nostrils. Possibly your tongue might move a little bit. And then if you hold very still through contrast, you'll just notice that the mind starts ramping up about this, about that, speculations, memories, judgments, elaborations about everything. Do nothing with, the, with those other than observe them. And if things get difficult and you what you start to observe uh, feels really uncomfortable or challenging, just continue to observe that. And if out of that, difficulty, uh, ideas and opinions and beliefs and explanations and whatever blaming or anything comes up uh, about us, say a, a story comes up and then and then we, we receive that, we're observing it, we're just observing, just receiving that. And then something reacts to that. And then something else comes in from the proverbial left field and starts to comment on that, that it shouldn't be happening, I shouldn't be doing this. Here I go again. All of those other so-called uh, personalizations of whatever comes up that is dependently arisen. Whatever arises, you could say, on, kind of on its own, just spontaneously, uh, is, is not something you do. You are not particularly thinking. So, but you're observing the mind stream come and go. It may show up as very vivid, very red, very bright, very rough, very sleepy, very wavy, Maybe a lot of crunchy parts to it, areas that are difficult or challenging. So insofar as you can, just receive whatever. As soon as you hold still, shikantaza. As soon as you have a minimalist, fundamental approach to it, where you sit down and you hold still, whatever begins to show up immediately or 10 minutes later is what you need to see. When I say what you need to see, I'm saying that's the dependent origination that is just a natural, just naturally being a human. Now, for what you're dealing with or what I'm dealing with or anyone is, uh, is occurring in one's mind stream is going to vary. It's going to be different. Uh, some of the conventional, more conventional ways of training the mind is to kind of try to quiet that down. Um, I did that for 35 years, pretty much that kind of a technique. I'm not saying that that's incorrect and that you shouldn't do that. 
you could check this out. You could do this a little while, Shikantaza. And then if you wish to do something else or go, then by all means, there's nothing to correct. There's nothing to fix. There's no way you can do anything wrong. That's a misunderstanding. And I'm happy to receive questions on that as soon as I get through with this uh, dithyram. So whatever arises spontaneously on its own, as soon as you slow down without without uh, too much exertion, just hold still. It takes a while to just relax into that. Just sit here, hold still, and watch what the mind keeps turning up. Include the birds outside the window. Include anyone's footsteps down the hallway. Include, include. When I say include, you don't only have to do that a few times before the, the mind stream. You could say in its uh, uh, complete environmental generosity, we'll receive everything that's coming. After a while, it's the practice of endeavoring to include or receive. Uh, you no longer have to exert yourself particularly. It just occurs. So when we say observe what, I'm saying observe the primary situation, which is just your mind stream. You're thinking about this, thinking about uh, laundry you should have gotten done. You've got a washing machine or something that's not working so well. And you're off on a tangent daydreaming about that or thinking about it. And then you... You may or may not uh, return to uh, the so-called, so-called present moment. Uh, what I'm saying is don't deliberately come back to what we call now or this or your breath. or Don't return and don't abandon. Don't do anything. Just receive. Just receive. And through that receiving, through that observing what is uh, moving this way, or seems to be coming up in your mind stream, wherever it's happening at, uh, just uh, hear it, smell, taste, touch, think. Whatever thoughts arise, just think. The idea there is to, receive. if you're receiving the thoughts that are coming out of dependent origination, which, of course, everything is coming out of that, but the ones that are coming out of, shall we say, the past tense, not the past quantitats, the past tense. Be careful what you laugh at. You might be laughing at something that's very serious. So as you are being environmentally generous with your attention, you're sitting, you're holding still, and you're watching what shows up on the wall in front of you, what shows up in the mind stream, what shows out, out the shows up out the window, like the birds we have out here encouraging me to stop talking. Keep it very simple, keep it very minimal. You could even say radical, just just what uh, arises. And then if spontaneously the mind stream tends to show up with something else, something it wants to add, the personhood, that, that which thinks there is somebody that can be right, there is somebody who can be wrong, there is somebody who can be confused, that area will try to go in and change or reinterpret or analyze or accept or condemn. It'll try to do something with it. And it'll have a self-validator right behind it. It's like the first thing is dependent origination. The second thing is de dependent origin origination. Also, what you add on, it just it doesn't look like it. It looks like there's someone pushing or someone has an agenda about that. Don't stop that. Don't try to be somebody better. Some, don't fix anything. I'm not saying that that isn't a particular path of, trying to be a better meditator, trying to be more mindful. Lots of people teach that way. This doesn't, <laughs> this, uh, doesn't uh, 
uh, resonate with you in some way, then probably need to look elsewhere. So you watch what moves, you sit down and hold still, you watch what moves, it's gonna be different with everyone. And then you'll notice that you have a little voice off to the side that wants to comment on that. And then you may even have, at some point, have a voice that wants to comment on the voice, sometimes called the watcher of the watcher. Uh, that only works to, for a while. Eventually, you can't even use that to figure things out. The, the ego mind, the self-centered mind, the narcissistic mind, the me, 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 and my stuff, my ideas, uh, my life, my death, my friends, my relatives, my kids, my credentials, wants to be respected or wants to be repaired or wants to be covered up or, or fluffed up. Just observe that. Anytime we abandon what arises with some idea about correcting that, you've just stepped away. You just stepped away from the very uh, Buddha nature that you are endeavoring to see. Uh, as it says in, uh, in the sutra, a hair's breadth deviation will fail to accord with a proper attunement, just a relative way of saying it. I think, isn't that Okazamai? Or is it something else? You guys should know. You're young, you remember stuff? You don't know? Yeah. Well, who said that? <laughs> that was kind of a tentative figure up in the air. It doesn't matter where it's at. It just means that that if you... Just, just, it's a very direct sit down, hold still, and, and just uh, don't object, don't agree, don't look away, don't object, uh, don't object uh, with some kind of idea about it. This shouldn't be happening. I don't deserve this. Uh, don't agree. Like, this is, this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I want to hear. This is a, a really good meditation. And don't distract yourself into something else. Uh, anything. Don't distract yourself into some into following your breath or doing anything like that. And as I said, I've done some of that. Not incorrect. That may be what you need to do. Follow your breath, label thinking, return to the breath. Shamata Vipassana, Laktong, Shishini and Laktong, the Tibetan words for it. Not, not wrong. Good meditation. But the interesting area about it is, is if you're able to over time, eventually be able to just, just watch, watch what comes and goes. Eventually, what comes and goes starts to slow down. It becomes less insistent. Um, you may doze off and go to sleep. Not a problem. Don't try to maintain being awake. Just watch yourself fall asleep. That's also awareness. Nothing to correct. And I didn't find this out the first 15 or 20 years I was meditating. It took a long time to see that. No one told me that. I was taught a lot of things, and I was taught really important things that I needed to know for what was happening to me at any given time. Very helpful. But I'm here to say to you, if I have your ear, and it looks like I kind of do, uh, just watch what moves. Sit down, hold still, watch what moves. And if you can, don't add. But if the addition seems like kind of impulsive or um not spontaneous, but kind of a knee-jerk kind of adding, then just watch that. But that's also part of uh, Pratitya Samadpada, dependent origination. It just looks highly personal because the mixture that's with that is the belief that there's someone who thinks 
the belief there's some person who can get it right. There's someone who can attain awakening. There's someone who can, well, is never going to attain awakening. Any positionality. Uh, and why does it work that way? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> you should ask questions. Uh, it's because it's a very subtle way of separating ourselves away from what we already are. We already are not separate from the Buddha, the awakened one. You're already not, not separate from ultimate truth. But the relative situation we find ourselves in of having a body-mind complex is very seductive because we have desires and we have fears and we have things we don't want to be bothered by. We want to just not look at them because they're too challenging or they frighten us or they, or they take us into an area that we're concerned about. So it's difficult. That's why it is a path of awareness, not a path of conclusions or accomplishment, even though quite often it is talked about that way, attaining, attaining enlightenment. And perhaps we, we need to talk, talk about it that way in order to even for it to even make sense to someone who is uh, struggling with, with their life, having difficulty with their relationships, with their job or with people in general. Our society is quite confusing, always has been, but uh, seems to show up differently with more intensity in one decade and less than another or a different kind of intensity. And we're all in this, we're all magnetized by this, by our families, by what our friends think, what our mother and father or what our partner thinks, uh, and including what our Dharma brothers and sisters think if we happen to live in a monastery, it doesn't go away. And the interesting thing, it doesn't need to go away. Nothing, you don't need to change anything. You just didn't need to see, when I say you need to, I'm trying to convince you of it. It's not particularly a sales pitch, but if you're here, then you already have some interest. If you see what this is, uh, you won't see anything other. You won't see something else. You won't see something else. How's that look? Better? I'm just trying to be symmetrical, if you're wondering. Question from Shoshi. Shoshi, you mean the smiling panda bear? No, smiling. Lion cub. Smiling what? Lion cub. Smiling lion cub. That's Shoshi. That's what Shoshi's name means. Yeah, he's a smiling lion cub. Go for it, Shoshi. <laughs> Can awareness be observed? No, no, it cannot. Well, I'm not saying that you might not think that you're observing it, but that's thoughts about something. So that can show up. But the actual observer uh, cannot, as it said in, this, in the, the tradition, one of the examples for that is an eye, an eyeball can't see itself. It only works so far. It works as kind of an example. But maybe and I, I could see it so. There was a mirror. San Ho Bang. Yes. San Ho. My cat is also bowing, uh, one of them. Anyway, so 
I wonder sometimes when I am observing, say, someone speak, yes. I feel as though I'm observing them speak, but I'm losing everything else. What hmm, is that awareness? Sanho bowing. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, just don't fix it, don't repair it, and don't root around for some kind of meaning about what they're saying. Just listen to the words. And your uh, your situation is uh, strong in terms of listening. You're a good listener already, so it isn't something you have to particularly uh, try to get better at. More? Sound? Not yet. Thank you. Thank you. What does nothing else look like? Looks like everything. How is it different from looking at something else? So when we start to pick and choose and become selective about it, it's not that we don't notice uh, two people. One is uh, maybe really beautiful and one is kind of homely. You know, and that, it's not that that doesn't arise also because it's definitely arisen. So, of course, but it can't find a person, a being who feels that way or, or determines something. And we notice the contrast. We notice the difference. But there's no, there's, no add, there's no adding on to it that makes it so we like this better than that. So, just, so we're not, you're not separating anything out. You're not looking for hidden treasure. That resonate with you? <laughs> that that's her uh, her Dharma name. Uh, Sanchu means hidden treasure, doesn't it? Yeah. Hoping I didn't forget that. <laughs> yes. When you're bowing, so the example you just used, uh, you see yes. contrast like beauty yeah. or ugly, yeah, or homely. Is is that not already adding? Bowing? No, because the very words are definitely arisen. You, you won't know what they, you'll know what they mean, but you won't know what they mean. You'll know what they mean, but you don't do, there's nothing else but that. So therefore, it's, it's sometimes referred to as direct perception, because the perception is so direct that there isn't anything else but that. But even in those two, beautiful, yes. ugly, or homely, is there not already an evaluation that has occurred in order to have that kind yeah. of contrast? Yeah, so no, nobody's telling you not to evaluate. Be aware of the evaluation. So is that part of direct perception? Yes. But that's what the ego mind, the self-centered mind, the plus and minus, the cause and effect, the good and bad mind uh, sees that, that, kind of, uh, that evaluation coming up. And then response to that, well, I can't be doing that because I'm judging or I'm evaluating. But the there is no, the evaluation will rise and the realization eventually is there's no evaluator. There never was one. Jenny, you drinking coffee? You, you no, it's, it's decaf tea. Oh, okay. 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 You're good. You're good. <laughs> You thought I wasn't looking at you just because there's a couple dozen people on here, but I'm, I was looking at you. Yes, Junchu. Junchu bowing during brush and ink awareness practice this afternoon. I felt 
fuzzy or scattered mm -hmm. and just noticed no. um, I wasn't sure if I had bowed or felt absent-minded. Yes. Um, is noticing that absent-mindedness enough? Yes. Just, just be aware. Because uh, as long as it's uh, dependent origination, then it's, it's a, the apparent movement of this to that to this. This gets larger, gets smaller, this gets fuzzy, this gets clear. And it's just a constant churning of trying to, uh, excuse me, trying to magnetize you into grasping, magnetize you into rejecting. It's the very nature of relative truth. It's just a pack of lies. It's not that there isn't relative truth. But then we tend to settle for that because the ego mind, the self-centered mind wants to have some kind of a hitching post. So it feels secure because we do not feel secure. Uh, uh, anyone who, who is, uh, is afraid or having difficulty with fear, the downside of it is fear. But the upside of it, there's more likelihood that you will step onto the path, the spiritual path, instead of, excuse me, instead of the mundane path of getting better. Settle for some kind of a, palliative or some kind of cover-up or some kind of medication, let alone meditation. There are meditations that can cover up how you, who you are, uh, your true nature. More? Good question. Is there was embarrassment that showed yeah. up? Yeah. Um, is noticing that embarrassment leaving the first? Mm -hmm. No. Uh, uh, embarrassment, it depends on, well, it depends. But, it, but embarrassment is something that we, as meditators, as people training our mind, it's something uh, that's going to show up uh, as, but, but because it has to do with the, uh, the, some aspect of the self-centeredness being exposed or uncovered or being, you know, might take some heat from somebody else or, or from ourselves we might see that we're not living up to our standard of how we should be, how we should function. It's just... If I, the path quality is just include whatever shows up, just include and don't necessarily, if you can help it, then don't add anything to it, any commentary, including mine. Go ahead. Earlier, I think you said um, you're already awake, you just don't know it. I did. What does awake mean? Not sleeping. What does not sleeping mean? Listening to dogs. What's that dog saying? I don't want to be on this choke chain. Uh, that dog's not on a choke chain. That dog is on a restraint. <laughs> You're probably right. Further questions? I don't know the question. Go ahead. So if we're already awake and we don't know it how do we how do we know it look at the way you sleep look at the way you shut down look at the way you push look at the way you pull just witness the pulling and pushing and shutting down and do nothing with it. do not repair it do not fix it it's not it's not about getting better it's uh the, the relative situation is yes it's about healing we were we we're sick, or we might need to do relative things to take care of that. If there's a relative situation going uh, happening, then meet that where it's at. Meet that, and so that's what that's what uh, someone does who's a doctor, someone who's a dharma teacher, someone who is a therapist endeavors to meet the situation where it's at. Unless they're so full of their ideas about 
right and wrong, up and down, healing and sickness, that they can't see what's in front of them. More? How, you said meet it where it's at. How do you know where it's at? Well, if you're not sure what's happening here with this person, if you're not clear about your own neurosis, your own difficulty, your own uh, t tendency to shut down in some ways and open up in other ways. If you don't see your own pride, if you don't have a good idea about how that's functioning, then that will get in the way of seeing clearly into what's happening with someone else. So you might be able to help them based on some kind of ideas about what's happening, but you won't be able to see deeply what's happening with them. And to see even if you have permission to go in or even if you should even step into that and uh, what we, we, we say meddle with it at all. So if we don't even know, we don't see it clearly because we don't even see the ignorance. How can you ever meet it where it's at when probably the roots of ignorance are so deep? You, know, you fundamentally can't because that's a relative statement. But we have to have that kind of a, a, a block and tackle. We have to have some kind of a fundamental way of doing this so that we can. Uh, that's why sometimes the Buddha's Dharma is called a raft, raft to the other shore of liberation which is actually the same shore you just left. There aren't two, two different shores, but you realize what this is, but you can't do it without some kind of provisional teaching, some kind of grad, uh, gradual approaching this, sit down, hold still, face the wall, stop fighting with your mind. And how do you do that? You see the way you keep fighting, adding, subtracting, dividing, doing all kinds of math to try to secure with some kind of temporary safety net. Trung uh, Rinpoche called it a cocoon cocoon of opinions, ideas, concepts, judgments, beliefs that keep us sealed away from our true nature, which is not separate from anything, which is our ultimate nature, our Buddha nature, our awakened nature. Nothing sleeps anywhere. It just is shut down, but it's fundamentally awake, fundamentally awake, relatively shut down, closed off. And sometimes it's so terrified that it will cover up that terror by attacking others. So it'll project the terror, the cause of the terror, the fear, it's called prejudice, off onto others and then attack them. We see it all over in, in, our, in our families, in our society, in our, our country. It's called a warfare. So I say, don't go to war, don't go to peace. Don't, don't select anything, particularly. Another question from Shoshi. Certainly. What happens to the observer when awareness takes the front seat? It hangs around and like a backseat driver. You don't get rid of it. And it may show up differently for different people. But it's, it's not particularly any kind of a problem. It's just dependently arisen like everything else. So that if, you, if you've somehow gotten rid of your ego, that's fishy. Because it's unreal in the first place. So... You've somehow transcended your ego. Come and see me. I'd like to hear about that. If you've suddenly gotten enlightened. There's another question. Have you ever read? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Shoshi, where are you? Where is he? Have I ever read what? The Encyclopedia Britannica? Ask him where he's at. I think he might be in North Carolina. Okay, you're going to guess? Yep. Okay, we'll go with that then. North Carolina. What was this question? Have I ever read? Have you ever read Treasury of Basic Space of Phenomena by Longchumpa? 
Uh, yeah. What do you want to know about it? <coughs> I have. Have you? <laughs> I got a feeling we're doing one up here. Let's see. What have I read that he can? Have you ever read? Uh, let's see. What can I say that he probably hasn't read? Nice Go ahead, nice show. Um, what does anything exist outside of dependent origination? Um, so the whole idea of existing means uh, there, there's something has as manifested, simply put. And so the idea of the manifestation, it, it comes up in little pieces and chunks everywhere. The planets, the sun and the moon, uh, our physical forms, rabbits, uh, ducks, on and on with all kinds of trees. So, but, but the fundamental situation is they're not, they're not separate. They're not separated things. So the manifestation can show up as the 10,000 things, or it can show up as just this. And just this is empty of our ideas about it. So the manifestation is both manifested and it is not manifested. More? Nisha Bang. Um, I guess I was leading more towards what what is the illusion of choice? Um, so basically put, it's, it's a thinking, feeling, uh, assuming that there's a right and a wrong, that there's a correct and an incorrect. And it's not that there isn't relatively, that, that happens relatively. If you're in a building and it starts to, it starts to catch on fire, you don't look for the nearest window, you look for the nearest door. The door is correct. The window is, well, relatively wrong because it has no knob. You can't open it. By the door, you can just open it and go out. So you wouldn't jump out the window necessarily or bust through the glass. You'd go to the door. Simple, simple, simple kind of idea. But that's the way we function. The problem is we don't see doors. We see what we think we see. So therefore, when we come to choices of right and wrong or the door out of the burning house or the window, which keeps us in, it keeps the smoke in and might be harder to escape the burning house. Those are projections. That relative situation is very easy to see. And we use that to corner ourselves and trap ourselves into some kind of ideation that takes us into belief systems. And, uh, and not only relative situations of uh, um, that are, uh, we can get a lot of agreement in science, but also more, uh, more imaginary situations like different uh, ways the spiritual path is ha handled through theism or non-theism or other forms of working with the, uh, the intermediate state or deep layers of consciousness. So, but as soon as you start leaving the material, it starts to get, because of the nature of materiality and the nature of space, uh, it starts to get more and more difficult to actually find out what's right, what's wrong. We get more and more paranoid about it. Nice show, more? Nice Go ahead. So that confusion is part of dependent origination as well? Yeah, yeah. as is, as is self-centeredness or ego. So you, you, that's why I say you don't have to get rid of it because if you, if you get rid of it, then you're playing into that, uh, that poker game that's, uh, that is rigged. You know, the, the cards are stacked against you if you start participating in relative truth and think you're going to beat it. And think you're going to come out on top and be the successful person, whether it's a Buddha or whether it's a, a king or an oligarch 
or a, or a kind person who helps everyone. Relative truth. I'm ready. If you have other questions, come this way. Goes on. In the burning building, if you mistake the window for the door and you're jumping out the window before you even realize it. Yes. You say meet a situation where it's at. So how, seems like it, it requires some energy to be there enough to receive the situation. It does. How can, how can we keep that inspiration in the forefront as we go? Yeah. Train, train your mind. I'm not saying there aren't other ways to do it other than this, but this is what we've all stumbled into this. I have, and you all have. Maybe you'll continue, maybe you won't. But if you do, then I would say train your mind. There's nothing here to join. I don't present any membership in anything. Train your mind. When this is over, when this situation here is over, meditate. Maybe not today, but tomorrow. Set up a time and sit down, hold still, and watch the movement. That's as far as I know, and I don't know a lot, but I know a few things. And watch the movement. Watch the movement. It's already, it's already perfect. There's nothing to correct. The book that uh, the Smiling Lion mentioned. Uh, Long Champa, actually, one of the teachings that comes out of the Zogchen tradition is uh, the great perfection. There's nothing to correct. It's already perfect. That doesn't mean you're perfect, Shoshi, so don't get any bright ideas about feeling like you understand Long Champa. Although you might. I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> Shoshi says, he's in North Carolina. And about the book, he says, it's awesome. I was thinking about your words the whole time. I don't have any money. So I try to get me to give you a loan. I can't do that. <laughs> Good. Thank you. That's a, that's a very kind, a very kind of you to say that. Practice. Read those words. It's, it is a profound text, without a doubt. Not real easy to understand without a strong awareness practice. Because it's it's an ultimate teaching. It points to the nature of reality. Long Chumpa's words are astonishing. And e even if you don't speak Tibetan. You home bowing. You just mentioned don't live to the standards. Don't live up to the standards. Who created standards? You did. Sorry. We create them. It's not that you don't have a standard, you don't have some kind of guidelines, but it, it's the it's the fascination and fixation on the standards. And it's uh, feeling like we don't like being in an open space or too much uh, uh, insecurity around that. And we'll create a standard to help us not feel insecure. One of them is prejudice. Somebody uh, sets up a standard of of uh, all brown people are bad or sets up a standard that um anything that, that people who are uh, uh, who uh, have a particular kind of not only a kind of look, but a way of talking or a way of acting or a value system. Uh, we, we tend to do that and, and develop a kind of prejudice that helps protect us against uh, insecurity, which is uh, the very nature of uh, uh, wisdom is insecurity. If there's ego involved, then you're going to feel insecure. So if you start to feel, as you practice, start to feel more and more insecure, this is why it seems to be necessary to have a structure like the three jewels, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the teacher, someone who's 
been up and down the mountain a few times, the same mountain you're going up and might know a little bit about that mountain and uh, teaching. Everything is dependently risen. There's nothing to correct, but there is something to see. And what is it? Uh, see the way in which you cling. See in the way in which you throw away. See the way in which you shut down without correcting it or interfering with it in any way. No addition, no math. So standards are, it's not that we don't use them. We have a standard you might set up as I'm going to meditate every morning at seven o'clock. But it's not a standard that's so tight that if you don't get to the cushion or if you sleep in or if something else comes up, of course, you take care of whatever comes up. But then the next day you might come back and sit down at seven in the morning and follow that, observe that form by with your actual body mind in, in its entirety. And you may, it's situational, so you may not might not be able to do that. So it's, there's no right or wrong. Right or wrong is extra and it's just about securing some kind of a self-consciousness that has an excuse for why it's functioning the way it's functioning. Fine. But we are, but we're so conditioned by the, by the society too. not pointing fingers. No. Me and society are not separate, but uh, you know, I feel like it's just not fair that um, to hear the words, even though it's the ego quality is playing a role now, but I just feel like I'm, conditioned not only because of me but also the society too so for me to say that you know i created the uh, the standards i feel like is could you help me uh define this or say a little bit more please you know i i could talk more about it conceptually but i think uh yuhang i think the very best thing for you to do is just take that to the cushion or take it to uh, take it to the, the book study and interact with the Sangha around that and see the way other people who have been practicing uh, for 10 or 15 years and see the, see the way they're working with those. That's not something you can just think your way out of. I mean, I could talk about it conceptually more, but I think uh, from knowing you, I, I don't know you really well, but I know you a little bit. We've talked several times and you ask, ask a lot of really good questions. I'm saying it, it's not about a right and wrong. It's not about you're not to blame for anything. Uh, particularly, but we, we need to see the way we fasten on to standards. You don't have to get rid of the standard. When it says don't set up standards, it's basically just saying be aware of the standard and be aware that sometime you might set one up and another time you might take one that's already there and kind of fall in line with that or obey that or think that that's correct and others are wrong. It's, it's about awareness rather than uh, right or wrong. Not easy to do. I would say, do it anyway, set up a time, train your mind, uh, study, join the community as much as you can. Fine. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, question from Teresa in New Mexico. Teresa in New Mexico. Yes, Teresa. What is meant by personal liberation? I don't know who said that. said that, Teresa. She's going to say, I said that. <laughs> um, if you're talking about the Theravadan idea of one and a half fold egolessness, there, the first one is a personal, we're seeing there's no solid self in the skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, and consciousness, that that adds up to some kind of a, uh, a structure, form, feeling, perception, 
concept of the thinking process and the sixth sense fields and their objects that keep returning to the form. We hear it, we smell it, we taste it, we think it, we feel of it. And that it, and those are all occurring, but they do not add up to a solid separate being, a relatively separate body-mind complex, but there's no solid identity there. So when one sees through that and sees there's no solid being here, uh, then that's uh, called, uh, I think it's Soso Tarpa, is that it, in Tibetan? One and a half, so it's it's a complete, completely seeing through oneself, but still being hooked on other. We still think there's people who are right, people who are wrong, or people who are somehow tied up in that. So we see that we're not here, but then quite often, this is the early stages of Buddha's teaching. People will get tied up in that. When I say tied up, not wrong. That's just what they were doing. So pers personal liberation, so to speak. And there's lots of all kinds of texts on this and commentaries on it. And it's uh, not incorrect. It's also the Mahayana. It's also the, the Bodhisattva may not show up that way to that person right away, but can't help but show up eventually. I'm sure a question from Emmanuel Lopez. Okay, Emmanuel Lopez. What is the relation between spontaneity and awareness? Are non-spontaneous actions bad or wrong in some way? So, uh, Impulsiveness is not spontaneity. Impulsiveness is operating out of hope for this or fear of that, or uh, you kind of we need to get there before it disappears, or we need to get away from it before it gets us. So operating out, operating out of hope and fear, uh, grasping, rejecting, being confused by our environment, by others in our environment, by our own mind stream. So that's a kind of impulsive, but spont spontaneity. The way I understand it is that it is it is uh, not doing anything unless one sees through one's clarity uh, that you're being invited to dance. Simple way of putting it, that the very causes and conditions that are arising around you just open up and you, it's spontaneous. You just join or you just, or you move into that, but there's no mover. There's no one who's sitting back and thinking, I think I should move into this situation. If you're doing that, this is more of a, a strategy of ego, albeit successful. You might be very successful at, moving into there and uh, betting on the right pony. So maybe because of dependent origination, uh, it can be very confusing in that area. The only one who is not confused is one who sees confusion clearly. This is what the Buddha saw. The Buddha saw delusion. That was his awakening. He didn't see some kind of fancy God realm. Shoto bowing. Shoto. Is there is there a difference between that kind of seeing of confusion and um, someone who's believing their confusion sees confusion? Bowing. Yeah, there is. So someone who sees the confusion but is not uh, magnetized into it, is not seduced into it, and uh, and any kind of uh, uh, um, separating oneself from it or joining it. <coughs> Or doing anything with it and then one sees that one is looking at oneself as you look at the confusion you actually see your you actually see who, you, see who you are you're not separate from anything you look at you're not separate from me i'm not separate from you i'm not separate from anybody i'm talking anyone that asks a question no matter how brilliant the question or how uh, uh confused the question may be not separate 
separated by ideas and conceptions and hope and fear and right and wrong and up and down and back and judgment and ignorance and incredible uh, prejudice. The interesting thing about prejudice is you don't really know you have it. You think that what you think is true, that that is a bad thing or those people are bad. And we do that to protect our, because we're afraid of, uh, we're afraid. If we can find something that we're afraid of, then we can fight it or protect ourselves against it. Then we don't have to look at the, uh, the, the ignorance born within. We looked at the ignorance that is projected out on the world. So when you sit down and meditate, you eventually start to get in touch with that aspect of the consciousness that ignores. More, Shodo? Sure, Bonnie. I'm wondering, can that fear, can that fear be projected onto others? Yeah, certainly can. In, in lots of different ways, especially somebody like you, you're real good at projecting onto others. You know that. Guess who's, guess who's chuckling in here? <laughs> Your friend chuckling. If there's more there, come ahead. Sure, bowing. Um, it's kind of abstract, but it seems like uh, culturally there's this tendency to be offended on behalf of others that yeah. shows up. And I was wondering if if there's something, if that's a kind of fear that's being projected. It could be. If you could be more specific, or maybe you can't be. But yeah, it could be. You aren't going to be able to to ferret that out and get to the some kind of off switch there because it is dependently arisen. So if it's not about shutting that off, what is it about? Seeing that it's turned on. You have to see it. You have to see it. It has to be seen. Each person here, if you've uh, if you're here and you're listening to this, then, you know, maybe this makes sense to you, maybe not. But you have to see it yourself. And how do you do that? You have to look at your mind. And this doesn't mean you don't listen to the birds or look at your your partner or your friends or your uh, culture, whatever it may be. Watch television or read magazines. You're, you're looking at otherness all the time. But at some point, there needs to be a looking here. Uh, in the Yogacara tradition, that's called a turning about at the basis of consciousness. If this comes about where you where you see your true nature, it's just a relative way of talking about something that doesn't even happen. It's not an occurrence. If it's occurrence, it, will, it won't last. If it's an experience, it won't last. It's not experiential. There are experiential aspects to it, but uh, experiential experiential aspects are kind of after the fact. And what is the fact? You're no longer Accepting, rejecting, or looking away. And not doing that because you're making yourself doing it. You have such incredible discipline or control. No, you, you've watched that until you saw what it fundamentally was. 
Hold on. Um, you were talking about self and other. Can there be aspects of what appears to be our situation that, like, could it be um, the observing and then our thoughts and ideas could be other? Say more. So sometimes it seems like um, you see through self, but you still think there's other. And you think of other as, you know, June, she's sitting here or that right there. Could the otherness quality be me and my story or me and my thinking? Can that be other? Yes. So if we're um, just observing it seems like it strengthens the observer quality, me and my thoughts. How does that help us see that those are not two different things? Just practice, continuing to practice. And uh, there's a, a fundamental uh, disappointment by trying to fix it, trying to fix it, trying to see it, trying to, trying to, trying to, trying to. There's a fundamental um I don't. I wouldn't call it surrender, or because there's no one surrendering. I wouldn't call it a letting go, because there's no one to let go. Um, but it's we just look at the confusion until we, by watching it and by observing it and by receiving it, receiving it. Eventually, it just wears out. Trungpa Rinpoche even talked about ego wearing out, like walking on an old shoe. You just never, never repair the shoe, or repair anything. There, there, one, one last thing. There won't be a conclusion. If you realize your true nature, uh, and, and that's you may realize your true nature. But if you think you've realized your true nature, uh, that's not your true nature. True nature is not a thought about what has occurred. True nature is that it's not separate from anything. You're looking at it everywhere. Everywhere you look, it's it's a it's the song. It's the the like the song of the jewel, Mira Samadhi. It's it's a jewel because it's so incredibly valuable. And it's uh, and it's samadhi because it's not separate, and it's a mirror because it's the of looking at this world and everywhere you look, you see your true nature everywhere. You see it in a pile of shit, and you see it in a, in a pile of roses, and you see it in the most beautiful face, in the most homely face. You see, see, you see it in a barking dog. You see it in a sleeping dog. The contrasts are there, and they're vivid. And this is when we really begin to appreciate our world. This is what, what the, the training, besides the wall gazing, we also do the brush and ink awareness practice, which I basically learned that from the Vidyadara. And in in that tradition it's called stroke practice and it has different kinds of uh, um, lineage kind of things. We just, we just draw circles, whereas they do more fancy stuff in uh, Shambhala. More? Another question from Emmanuel. Emmanuel, go ahead. I want to learn more about the Four Noble Truths and Eightfold Path. Any suggestions? Yeah, it's all over the place. So there's uh, there's a good book by uh, Walpola Rahula that goes way back, and that would cover that. And also the uh, any uh, the books we study, the um, uh, Myth of Freedom and. Uh, uh, Cutting through spiritual materialism covers some of that. 
read that if you want to read it more the history history of it than that or uh there's another book that's not coming to mind right now i have a book list it's i have a short book list that's what nine or ten you know, nine or ten books and then if you want the whole book whole list there's about 50 books on that you could read those the book i'm thinking about is on that list i the, the name is just not coming back to me right now introduction to buddhism i think it is Sano Bar. Yes, Sano. Do you maintain a list at Sokokoji of the various concepts and other kinds of teachings you use, like the links in the chain of existence and the skandhas and, 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 Sano Bar? Yeah, those are all available. Just what he was asking about is uh, those are available in, uh, in very, like the book, uh, Raul Polo. And then uh, the other book isn't coming back to me, I think is a little, little better because I think it's a, uh, um, I don't know if it's more up to date particularly, but I just like the way it's written. It's not coming back to me right now. Uh, Chazan, do you know what that book is? Does anybody here know what it is? Foundations of Buddhism. Yeah, who wrote that? Gethin. Yeah, Gethin. Rupert. Rupert? Or Robert? Robert Gethin. It's G-E-T-H-I-N. Gethin. Foundations of Buddhism. Juzan has a really good memory. How about all those other things I've asked you to remember? Remember that one thing? No. Uh, he doesn't always get uh, good at it, so he just forgot that one thing. But yeah, I think it's Rupert Rupert Geffen, it seems like, and it's uh, Foundations of Buddhism. That, that's very, very thorough. That's And Walpole Rahula's book, I haven't read that in many, many years, but I know that covers that material. But this one by Geffen is very systematically goes through uh, all of those, the 12 links, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, uh, the Three Realms, the Six Realms. Um, Foundations of Buddhism. Pretty good book. Final question. A final question out there in Zoom land. Yu Hongbaoing, I'm curious about what uh, what does uh, what does a frog what does a frog stands for? Like the metaphor of using frog uh, in the practice. A frog. Bowing. Yes. You know, like a frog that hops? Yeah. Oh. Um, well, uh, when a frog, uh, the way it's been used before, and I don't know if I might have used it this way, but I don't remember too much. But a frog is like when a frog sits still, uh, it doesn't move at all. It just sits there. And so it's. Uh, I think it's kind of a metaphor for a sitting meditation. You just sit there and don't do much. Uh, we, we, of course, the frog is probably sitting really still because it's waiting for a fly. Or if you walk up to a frog and it's sitting very still, then it's uh, probably uh, terrified. <laughs> and it knows that it just animals, uh, so quite often animals know because of their, their nervous system. What is that nerve called? Vagal. The vagal nerve. Vagus, vagus nerve? Vagal. Vagal. That nerve and uh, uh, animals just shuts down and won't let them jump. Even though they're terrified, they, instead of jumping, they just sit very still. So if you're... If you're, uh, uh, I think the metaphor is more like that about just sit really still and watch what continues to move. Uh, the frog is just watching flies and you're watching your thought patterns. Fine. Thank you. You're welcome. Have, any other questions, especially from somebody that rarely ever has questions or is never ever asking me a question about anything?
see who's on the other screen here. Is there anybody I can pick on? Let's see. I'm certainly not going to pick on John Roadhouse. He, he would make me look like a fool immediately. And let's see. Uh, zoom. Um, Julie, who else has a question? Jason, don't you have a question? You always have lots of questions. Yes, I have lots of questions. Go ahead, give me one of them. Okay, well, I was thinking about this. Um, so I think you once said that I should, and, and use an analogy, uh, walk along the mountain and notice myself walking along the mountain, but not worry about whether I'm going up the mountain or down the mountain. I said, and did that sound like something you would have said? Damn if I know, maybe. Well, my question is, if that is what I'm doing, what's stopping me from walking off the side of the mountain? Outside of it? Like just walking off the cliff. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I follow you. I would say... Uh, uh, the, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, the teacher, the teaching, and the community. Those three, the three jewels, there's a reason they are called jewels is because uh, they're valuable. So the teaching person is indispensable. The teaching is indispensable. And the community is indispensable. And they're, they, they need to be brought together. And that's what, as a Dharma teacher, which I haven't been all that long, but as a Dharma teacher, that's what I endeavor to do with the help of others, help with your help, with uh, uh, Juzan's really good memory. So, and everybody here, everybody's, uh, we get together and we study this material. Uh, we study, I do this uh, talk about the Dharma, what, twice a week, plus come in on book studies, and then everybody comes together and we, we talk about the material and study uh, Dogen, we study uh, uh, Kempo Solshim Jamso's book, uh, Progressive stages, meditation on emptiness, and then discuss that material. Not particularly easy material. So, so the, as far as the mountain situation, just continue to return to the wall, continue to continue to meditate, continue to. This is a, a virtual sangha, but it's a sangha. It's on Zoom. Further question: Did I, did I miss uh, what you were actually wanting to know about by my response? No, I think that's a pretty good answer, actually. I was just um, wondering. Really, I was just curious more than anything. Um, but I am curious about Sangha, though, because I am curious what is helpful about Sangha, because sometimes I think, you know, I like to show up and, like, know that other people are going through the same thing I am, but then I realize that's really kind of ego-talking. So... And it might not be that a good idea to be reassured. Uh, so um, maybe you could talk a little bit more about what song yeah. is good for. Give me a, give me a direct question about it, and I'll, and I'll respond as best I can. Oh, well, that's the question. What? How is sangha helpful? Because the community of the sangha, since they're practicing under a teacher and under a under twenty five hundred year old teaching of the Buddha. Uh, that my my teacher Chungpa Rinpoche would talk about uh, Kalyanamitra or friend uh, companions in the virtue could be the teacher the teacher is part of the sangha also so that somebody you're with somebody that 
that will can be friends with you and help you, but it, it's not something you're someone you're particularly leaning on. So you're they're with you and they're a companion, but they know that you have to go through your own. Uh, you have to work with your own uh, uh, situation, and so there, there's a respect for your confusion rather than try to fix you or try to get you to like them more or value them more because they're able to give you this wonderful advice. So you might find that someone uh, who is a practitioner uh, might listen to you, be very good at listening to you and very reticent about giving you much advice unless you drag it out of them and come, come on, help me with this. I need to know. I, can you help me? What, what should I do? And then they might ask you more questions about it. It's not that they wouldn't give you a response or wouldn't help you in some way, but you might have to really make it very, very clear that you really needed to hear what they thought about a given situation. So it wouldn't just become forthcoming because they wanted to um, control you, manipulate you, or be right about what your situation was. So a little bit more respect for your confusion with Sangha than there is with others. You notice how, you notice how some of the people who have the most advice are the people who have, are the most confused. The people who are, can't wait to tell you how to work with your life, and yet if you look at their life, uh, that's how they—that's how they avoid their difficulties by telling other people what they should do. Not always, of course. Some people are total sweethearts. I've also noticed that the people who are the most wise um, seem to make you the most confused. Hmm. Very, very kind of them. <laughs> I follow you what you're saying, and I'm not taking it personally. Don't worry about it. I still like you, Jason. <laughs> I'm still deciding whether I like you or not. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't jump to any conclu conclusion. You should really watch your step. I'm very, very dangerous, and, and I'm trying to control people right and left. I, I've got a bunch of people in here fully ordained as monks, and they're like, they just, you know, I've, I got them under my thumb, and... They have strings running to all of them. They can't make a decision without me. Painful for them. But they're monks, so I got them. <laughs> except for, except for so Sokaran uh, knows better. She stays up in Traverse City where I can't find her. <laughs> okay. Are we good? Let's, we're good. Okay. We'll dedicate the merit. May the merit of this penetration to all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Jiho Sanchi If you value the teachings of Sokozan, 
and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.